it's, it's been a very humbling experience um, to to kind of start something of your own in a country that you don't know the language, you don't know the people, mm. the and never never really wanted to kind of go out all out be like you know what I'm gonna make the biggest company and then I'm gonna sell it to the biggest player and make you know tons of money. Like, no, I wanna I wanna be happy. Welcome to Growth Mindset On. I'm Cristina Cruciano, your host, and today I'm going to talk to you about Rishab Lohia, who has been my guest. The conversation with Rishab has brutally reminded me of a new universal truth. We are here to be happy. You've probably listened to him saying that he hasn't started his startup to hit the jackpot, but he started it to pursue his passion while making other people's happy with his heartwarming food. I was surprised by it, because he came to Spain to do his MBA at one of the prestigious business schools in Barcelona, and he could have chosen the easy path, but he chose a risky one by starting a business in a country he didn't know, and with a fairly difficult bureaucracy for startups. It's been liberated, and such a beautiful reminder that I think we should all have on our priority list. I don't know about you, but being happy, it is something that I need to be reminded from time to time. Thank you, Risha. Let's get inspired. So, um, uh, hi, Risha. Uh, so nice to have you uh, here today on Growth Mindset On. Uh, I'm very pleased to have you. Uh, you are one of the first founders uh, I have on the show at the moment. I've been talking with many entrepreneurial people, but uh, you are the first uh, founder. What well, what I define myself as a as a startup founder. So, if you please could um, uh, introduce yourself and explain me what is your uh, business about. Uh, hi, Christina. Thank you for having me uh, on your podcast, and and thank you for letting me know that I'm the first founder. No pressure. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, well, um, I'm Rishal, um, and in, in Barcelona, they call me, they know me as Rish. Uh, I founded my company called Delicioso. Mm -hmm. I came to Barcelona in 2014 as a student, and um, I did my MBA at Asave, and while I was finishing the MBA, I started my company. Uh, the company is about uh, bringing together home chefs people who have the passion to cook and get their love of food distributed amongst people in Barcelona through various formats, through lunch services, caterings, um, meetups, and whatever have you. Okay, so that's uh, excellent. What I'm very curious about, uh, there is a lot of um, uh, food startups in Barcelona, I, I would say. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. And no, you're absolutely right, yes. Okay, and I'm, I'm surprised how, um, I would like to know how did the idea come up? Uh, I like the fact that you focus on one side of the marketplace, which is the chefs. Uh, chefs. So um, explain me how did the idea come up? You explained that was there in your master's, your MBA, uh -huh. sorry, but okay. uh, why food? I think, um, so for, for me, I think I came to Barcelona, I chose Isade because mm -hmm of uh, their connection towards food incubators and that's what brought me to Barcelona and it, of course it happened to me uh, it happened to be the best city to be in during the time that I did my MBA because I already had um, a very nascent idea back in India but I knew for a fact that I had to come to Barcelona to do my MBA and whatnot and while I was finishing it um, I found the same gap here as well the gap being that a lot of people I saw around me, and for me that was just students, and a lot of students just were doing that repetitive, um, you know, schedule of studying and going back home and then studying and essentially not taking enough care for their time. And I was one of those people who loved to cook. It's just basically been always, I think Barcelona for me was the first time I you know, escaped um, I think live outside home. You know, Indian mindset, you don't leave home that soon. So I'm all by myself and I'm used to having having home cooked food. And I'm like, 
I think these guys need some home cooked food as well. Now, how do I bring around home cooked food for all these guys who are basically from different parts of the world and they're used to having something cooked at home? And that's how Delicioso was born. So the idea was to kind of bring together all of these people who have that passion. They might be housewives or husbands or whomsoever has the time to come in and sit with us and kind of uh, brainstorm and cook what they want to cook and we will distribute that out uh, through our platform. Okay. That's how the idea came around. Um, that's, that's, that's a very interesting approach to the, to the food uh, startup industry, I think, at least here in Barcelona. And I really, really like it that you're focusing on that side of the thing, not in just, um, you know, I'm starting a business, just you've taken your passion and you've kind of democratized that by uh, providing other people um, or other people who had your same, the same passion as you uh, to this platform. And Absolutely. I find, I find it really interesting. So you are saying that it already, uh, the business was already uh, embryonary in India, back in India. Were you doing something similar in India or it just was something that, an idea you had on paper? I had an idea on paper because back in India, it is, uh, it, this is not a service that was running, but if you've heard of the Bombay Dabbawala, which is a logistic service uh, which delivers food on an everyday basis close to about uh, a million boxes um, from point A to point B. So it is a case study done by Howard as well on logistics service. And on the other side of the world, US, was already doing something on the same lines of delivering lunches and everything from a central kitchen, something called as what you will hear in Barcelona a lot nowadays is ghost kitchens. Uh, and that concept existed there in the US. And that's where I found if what if we can join the two together hmm. and make it make it happen. You know, but who will and just basically learn from their mistakes. So what I am doing is essentially, yes, there was a passion that the idea was there. And I was like, how do we combine it together? And that's what happened in Barcelona, essentially right in the middle of the world. Nice. So, so <laughs> sorry, can, can you, can you um, repeat, the, did you say ghost pitches? Sorry, if I, if I understood you, like the case study, if you could explain it a little bit more. Right. Um, so there are two things that I mentioned. So one thing I mentioned was the first thing I mentioned was the logistics service back in India, mm -hmm. uh, which it runs in Mumbai, uh, Maharashtra. And this logistics service is run by a non-government organization, mm -hmm. which collects meals from um, one house and delivers it to the owner of the house working in an office, wherever it might be located in Bombay. And this logistic service is either from the same house to the owner or somebody can offer lunch service as well. So this is a very interesting model because they use all our recent technology of tagging GPS, hmm. everything when GPS did not exist. Yeah. So their tracking method is so well planned that it became a case study. And on the second hand, the ghost kitchens that I was talking about is what Mancheri or Maple or Sprig or Blue Apron, you know, these kind of companies are uh, or had in, in the US. Hmm. And right now, Deliveroo and Glovo are also working and toying around the same idea. Yeah. So that ghost kitchen, the concept is that the, it's a kitchen only concept. You will not have a restaurant or a front where you can sell the food from. The idea is to feed into or give an opportunity to people who uh, do not want to have a shop but mm. want to start off in the industry. Wow, I really like it. I think it's it, 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 it that this reminds me when I was in uh, I was in London for some time, uh, living there in a part of an accelerator, and uh, this other company who was doing um, if I say it well, it was Mom's Bake Cakes, and basically they were doing this. So, focusing on cakes. So uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Wow. So that's, wow, that's fantastic. I, I, I really like that. You know, how, how can we, we turn uh, syst systemize or, or um, dehumanize systems? Like, for example, I mean, like the restaurant, you just, for example, delivery goes to a restaurant and takes the food and just uh, takes it, uh, whatever. And in this case, we are, you are putting on the both sides there are people to say, I mean, restaurants are also people, but our businesses, no, it's like kind of C to C. Exactly. Business, uh, business model, which is very interesting because you allow every individual who likes to cook or, or has a skill or wants to improve that skill, you mm -hmm. allow them to become chefs. Yep. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, I like it so much because, uh, Definitely, you're, you're just helping. I think uh, you are also shaking the economy, the Spanish economy, by providing, by providing jobs uh, to people and, and also teaching a skill. That's the idea. I mean, that's what we want to do for mm. people who are so passionate about cooking. And it's, it's to just understand, because a lot of people, of course, you know, having done a degree and whatnot, after a point, you want to... Um, make it a first profession but for a lot of others it is not a first profession it's not a profession at all it's just a passion okay but what's the harm of coming in and sharing it and then getting rewarded you know uh, in in return so that's that's what it is so okay. it is not providing i would not call it a job hmm. but more of a okay. hobby and getting rewarded by it okay uh, this this distinction i also mm, i think it's it's um quite uh, interesting too because uh, if you call it uh, at least in Spain considering the Spanish regulations um, I mean if you if you are a professional you need to become freelance and you need to pay for all but if it's your passion and you, you like doing that how, how did that work you know because I'm, I'm surprised that um, I mean Spain is a great place to live and Barcelona uh, definitely but I'm surprised that um, you you started here because the uh, I I know how the Spanish bureaucracy works and it's kind of difficult and I I suppose you are finding yourself in with some setbacks no absolutely I mean I think uh, <laughs> the the setback started when um, when I I think I decided I was like I need to set a company here in Barcelona okay do you speak Catalan no how's yeah. your Spanish Oh my God. So <laughs> that, that was setback number one. And of course, many followed. Um, yeah. But in terms of the setback that you're talking about, yes, there is a setback and I have a way out as well. However, I am still uh, working with a bunch of people, a bunch of um, uh, other entrepreneurs who've started something on the social lines and talking to uh, a legal team simultaneously to be able to make sure that we're not breaking or bending any laws as well. Mm. Because one thing that I've seen and I respect is the way the Spanish economy is the only way you can perhaps make an impact mm. is go slow but steady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's because I, I know myself, I've had a... Um, and it's still working locally. I wasn't able to scale, to scale it. Uh, back in Yeda, I have a, a platform which is um, we are matching students uh, to uh, tutors, to language. Yeah. And basically, what I find myself with this uh, struggle uh, that, you know, my teachers, uh, the teacher we had in the platform, had to become freelance to give those classes. And right. being freelance in Spain, you know, uh, it's, it costs, um, I don't know, if it's 300 or a month. And um, no matter how much money you make or uh, how much revenue you have. And Absolutely, you have to still pay the same amount. Hmm. So, yeah, hmm. that's, 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 that was one of the things that I struggled myself uh, with in terms of, of, of the platform and scaling it. It's, it's, I, I, it's a business, it's working, and it's, uh, it's profitable. But mm -hmm. um, it's uh, I wasn't or I'm not able to scale it, although I still, I'm still working on it. But I, that, I found that uh, difficult. No, and it is difficult. I, um, and I know what you mean because uh, a lot of people who come who have come to us as well have uh, you know have kind of shared the same concern. Mm -hmm. 
because it is difficult uh, if you want to actually just follow your passion in in this uh, in this country because it's especially in the food area hmm. because they are you know and it's an economy which is very close to their food so their regulations towards their food is that strict hmm. okay uh, another thing that uh, i'm i'm also um, you know curious about uh, besides uh, this uh, i know this type of marketplaces is the um, what are we say? the margins the margin left because i understand that you also provide a space you need to provide a space for where these people where they have to cook or they do it at their home uh, how how is the, uh, all the concept behind it so right now we are working out of a ghost kitchen called as cookseo cookseo is also a food incubator mm-hmm. and uh, that's where we started our uh, our journey essentially as a as a kitchen as a kitchen platform and right now we are working there so we have um, a fixed uh, place in that kitchen incubator mm-hmm. out of which um we so we invite people to work there itself mm-hmm. and people are not allowed to cook in their houses they come to the kitchen uh, they have a proper screening process which happens with our resident chefs uh, in the kitchen so that anything in terms of documentation or mannerisms around the kitchen just the basic know how is tested and if out of uh, the criteria is listed a certain criteria are not met according to this and this is i think the basic criteria is that even the food regulation uh, provides are not met then uh, we essentially just take uh, you know take the recipes so they help us uh, cook the recipes but they are not cooking in the in that case um and otherwise the people who are uh, you know they have all the paperwork done they they know their know how in the kitchen if they want to learn more and they are the ones who cook uh, the recipes okay wow nice nice uh, so that's uh, sorry I, i will need you to uh, pass me along the the food incubator um link Uh, towards the end so I can share with the audience because I think it's it's very sure. interesting that is providing you a space uh, where which is compliant with the regulations exactly uh, exactly and and the best part about Cookseal is that if you want to work you can work there um without having a local you can do whatever you want to do you have your own brand you want to uh, test out an idea uh, cooks you can do it for you wow it, it i'm i'm excited that, that there are this many uh, this many things happening in barcelona which i wasn't aware of because the food industry uh, i'm not very involved into it uh, i mean somehow um, partially but yeah it's it's surprising how uh, how the ecosystem in barcelona it's it's uh, much rooming in terms of accelerator incubators uh, helping entrepreneurs to to kind of uh, blossom their 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 companies or at least um, validate the concept behind it absolutely absolutely so basically in terms uh, internally uh, how does it work uh, does deliterso pay uh, the chefs yes so uh, chefs are hired on a contractual basis uh, they needed to do a certain number of hours for a certain period in time mm-hmm. and um, they given uh, according to the number of uh, hours they are given uh, to board as well and these chefs are right now we are manually handling it because we are still working on our mobile application okay. and uh, the manual um, booking system is that they give us the hours that they are free in and then we essentially book them in slots which they are most suitable in mm. so we have some fixed slots which we have some fixed clients which require certain kind of fixed meals and depending on the experience set and how uh, how much they can cook their capacity of cooking we uh, we place them in the week as to how they should be cooking so what? like sorry, sorry. go ahead go ahead don't worry don't worry i just interrupted you i lost <laughs> Uh, so yeah i mean um that's that's how we uh, get the chefs uh, on board and on a certain day we are cooking all the food fresh mm-hmm. so every day the food is cooked fresh in the morning and then from um 12:30 onwards till 2:30 we deliver the food to different points in uh, barcelona 
for non services. Nice. How is it? Um, in fact, I'm working uh, in a co working here and uh, we have a food delivery. Um, it's interesting uh, that um, their MVP, to say so, it's a WhatsApp group. Uh, I don't know if you're doing it in the same way. They, 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 they just post uh, daily the menu. Mm -hmm. and, um, basically, people say, um, you know, it's the dishes, it's the dishes they, they want. Um, how do you guys do it at the moment? Right now, um, so we have a more uh, B2B sort of uh, okay. approach to reach different co-working spaces or offices. Because what we do is we find the right person who is uh, working as a community manager or an office manager for a particular location. So, for example, in your uh, of you know co-working space, um, let's say uh, you have a community manager. So we basically send the links to them and yeah. have a partnership with them so that they can push it out to you uh, on your emails. Mm. And it's almost the same process where we give you the menu for the next week and you can book it through the system hmm. um, and we kind of release menus we kind of keep changing menus because we've got so food from monday to thursday is uh, you know traditional home cooked food and whatnot and then on fridays we bring out like street food so a little more uh, difference in terms of why oh. not have something tasty and delicious on a Friday and instead of just you know keeping it on special food or street food markets. So kind of mix that up. So we do the same thing exactly, but not on WhatsApp, but more on emails and uh, nice. Yeah. Wow. wow, that's very good. I mean, definitely this is the approach as uh, there are so many uh, co-workings in Barcelona and the best way to, to approach them is or, um, or any of your team going there personally or just reaching them through 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 email, uh, but but yeah. So basically, explain is the menu. It's a menu from from Monday to Thursday. You have like a more uh, formal menu, and normally at the weekends, uh, at the weekend three or Fridays, it's like street food. Absolutely. Oh, I've also seen. Uh, I don't know if you were still on that line when I was reading about delicioso. You also focus on multicultural food. Yes, we do. Okay, so that's excellent. How does it work? Does it work on a, on a week you focus on a specific country or depends on the, on the co-working requirements? How is that uh, multicultural kitchen received here in Barcelona? So uh, the multicultural idea is that every person has or has a know-how or has their own culture of cooking a particular uh, dish, right? So the culture itself is de depicted in the way the person cooks a dish. Now, we tend to bring that out in the food itself. So this, it's the food culture which uh, is shown in the way we design a menu. So the menu would uh, range anything from um, a shirashi bowl from Japan to anywhere between the US or even the South America. And in the same menu, it's going to represent the entire world, perhaps one from every continent. Hmm. And on on a uh, Friday on a street food menu, we essentially just bring you stuff which are more locally known in areas that we have perhaps visited to, or people have come out and um, shared a certain recipe with us. And of course, you kind of end up going to a lot of food markets and tasting a lot of stuff. So you want to kind of yeah. possibly get inspired by the same flavor and do something, mix it up with something that you know and create something new. So that's always the idea. Yeah. Nice. Uh, very, very, very interesting uh, uh, approach indeed. And one, one other question that um, um, also I would like uh, to make you is the fact that, for example, it has ever happened you to run short on, on, on chefs, on chefs, um, because, you know, when, uh, when I was um, directly managing my, my platform, it happened to me that I didn't have enough teacher according to the demand or where you guys um, um, manage anyways. No, actually, very interestingly, because we work in a co-working kitchen, a ghost kitchen, we have other chefs who are working in the space as well perhaps doing something for themselves, but because of the community that's created, a lot of people are willing to help each other in a lot of different ways. So what makes any sort of event possible is just the number of hands and the possibilities that exist in a community kitchen. Wow. 
right? So I have cooked, um, I, like I have personally cooked for about 300 people, but our team has cooked meals for as many as 1500 people. And I'm talking about a team of four people. Wow, it, it, I, I really like this, uh, this concept of community kitchen and the, the fact that um, being in a, in a co-work or in a ghost kitchen, as you call it, it uh, allows um, this type of uh, solidarity uh, to help each other out, you know, and, and, and meet that. Um, it, and it, it, I think it, it has eaten, isn't your life quite a lot in terms of meeting the demand you have. Uh, so I, I, I really, I really like that concept. Uh, so, so you also at the same time you're creating a community, not each, you're being part of one, and you're bringing the chefs uh, who are on your platform or, uh, to the community. Exactly, that's the idea. I mean, you, you, you're creating something new, no? So this is this is like that new uh, sense of a community which just connects around food. Mm. And what what the best way to to connect and create community communities rather than um, eating, you know, and and, and and doing something as as social as uh, historically been. Uh, it's the kitchen, the food, you no, know, brings people together. And I think we've lost that somehow in our society. I th and you know what, you'd absolutely be right, and that's what I feel as well, that that connection has lo has been lost somehow, mm -hmm. and I want to bring that connection back, you know, that's the idea, mm -hmm. that connect that you get with, with the food that you eat, mm -hmm. that's somehow lost, and we kind of lost in the idea of so many different options available in the market, with so many different things happening simultaneously, uh, and it's like one of those problems. I don't know whether you've uh, ever felt. You know, you go to you go to one of these applications that you have in your phone, and you're like, you know what? Let me try something new today. Yeah. And and then you scroll down, and you're like, oh my goodness, they're like insane number of options. Yeah. You know what? Go hell with that. I'm just gonna go order whatever I had yesterday, and it might be just ridiculous stuff. You have no idea. Hmm. You either just end up choosing something convenient, or if you're really into, you know, healthy, everybody is giving you like a healthy option. You don't know what is healthy anymore. So you need to have a nutritionist to kind of give you, okay, this is the healthy that you need to eat. So a lot of money and time and think that resources that we are spending, if we came back to the traditional meals, there was something that we cooked at home. Somebody like your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, somebody cooked it for you and is basically putting it in a box and sending it over. Mm -hmm. I would eat it every Everything. Well, so, uh, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. I, 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 and I really like that you, you point out that because uh, I think it's, it's true that we have lost, um, you know, the, like the real uh, reason why we eat. We eat, uh, we eat food to one to to enjoy life, and secondly to to um, you know to get nurtured to 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 have the nutrients. Absolutely. Our body needs in order to work properly and, and uh, you know, do uh, our daily activities. And definitely it's happening that, that food nowadays has less nutrients uh, than it had like centuries ago. Uh, and it's, it has more, uh, you know, bad calories. Uh, I think, I, I, I mean, honestly, I somehow feel it's got less nutrients and more data. Hmm. Now everything is just about data. I mean... Yeah. No matter how much data you feed into a plate of food, if it's not tasty, it shouldn't go in. Yes, yes. And and I, I I like that approach. You probably you haven't mentioned that at the beginning, but your approach is tradition, um, but with always from the focus of a healthy approach. Yeah. That's it, because tradition sometimes can be traditional, but it doesn't necessarily mean, uh, mean healthy. So you basically, you're focusing on that in like bringing together the real food, bringing back the real food. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying that, of course, like if you take Indian cuisine for, uh, for a fact, we used to make everything in saturated butter. Now, of course, we don't have the bodies to perhaps um, churn out that much of fats from our system. So we need to adapt to something that our bodies can eat. 
and that's what's the idea. We keep it healthy so that the daily nutrition that you need and you will have, you know, but there will be never a compromise on flavor mm. and authenticity of the dish. I like really the, uh, what we've, you've explained before in terms of um, that we spend so much money. One, we spend money on the food, no? Uh, and secondly, we spend money on like, mm, you know, going to nutritionist in order to know how much uh, uh, food we've ingested, how many calories, are they the right calories for us, are they um, good enough for us, uh, do we get all the nutrients we need. Uh, exactly. <laughs> And I really, I, I think I really like that approach. And I think probably something, I don't know if, you, if you're planning on considering or it's already part of your plan. It's like, you know, probably in the long run, one, of, one side of the business would be specifically explaining that your, your business or your, your, your food provides the necessary nutrients to, in one meal. Because sure, that's absolutely. And I think now... Um, <laughs> If we keep talking, we can keep on chatting about it. But yeah, there are a lot of things which are uh, in the pipeline. And this is one of the things in the pipeline, for sure. Because there's a little bit of an education, I think a re-education that's needed in the, in the area of food. Uh, very, I really, I really like the, the concept. I like the fact that um, you are the community side of it. The fact that you are also uh, providing or teaching a skill, which is which is cooking out of uh, people's uh, like discovering people's passion, um, and uh, and turning that into a profession. Why not? Um, I do, I do really like it a lot. But. Um, uh, one thing uh, that how how is a person who just finished uh, an MBA, you know, like uh, starting a business that is a lot, a lot of struggle. Now there is so much uh, um, hard work going into it. How do how do your do your parents see you? Uh, they haven't told you, Rishab, you could have the chance to be working for a multinational company, making this amount of money a month. And you have decided to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, that uh, very interestingly, that didn't happen. Um, so, wow. yeah, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Hmm. But very interestingly, something along the same line. So what happened was, and I tell you, um, of course, it was a bold decision because hmm. when I was in India, I worked with a couple of consultancy companies and one of them being Ernst Young. And I learned a lot. Uh, a lot you know it changed me as a person um and eventually i kind of realized that you know this life is not for me and that's where the mba decision had to happen so it was more of a um thing where i just couldn't possibly do a nine to five and on paper and keep doing nine to twelve or whatever it is you know and not feel happy about it yeah so the only thing that called out to me was food. Hmm. And when I came to Boston, of course, my first go-to thing was that I should, you know, I should possibly work in the, in the food industry because I haven't worked much in the food industry itself. Yeah. I worked in a, uh, in a startup with, um, back in the, I think back in India, just before coming to the MBA for about two months uh, with, a, uh, with a startup called Lime Train. And it was fun. It it was interesting, but it was two months in a managerial role, so it was all right. But I was, you know, I, I was like, this is scary because I have as such just knowledge in my head and an MBA study mm. and a lot of passion for food. I'm going to actually start a company. And my parents were like, okay, are you sure about it? Yeah. I'm like, um, you know, I'm as sure as my data suggests. And I did all my research that I could possibly do. We did the study uh, in Isabe, spoke to a lot of people, the mentors there, who were still my mentors from Isabe, uh, created that business plan and whatnot, and did whatever we could possibly do, and it made sense. You know, our numbers made sense to us. So, call it sometimes, you know, it's like you will see whatever you want to see. Um, so, you're like, you know what, it makes sense. So, we're going ahead with it. And we go ahead with it. You know, we, we set up a company, my parents are absolutely go for it. They're like, okay, you know what? This is your plan. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, yeah, so, it happened. It happened. 
the only the funny bit was sorry and i come to the point was after a year year and a half she and the amount of struggle that we were talking about she yeah. said you know the struggle they, they didn't mention they were like the amount of struggle that you do in barcelona you could have done the same amount of struggle in india and reached two times as far <laughs> i was like all right thanks mom uh so back <laughs> back to what you were saying so basically uh, because i do um, think that entrepreneurs uh, especially in your case i mean it's a, it's a huge investment doing an mba and i mean we don't have the american mindset but uh, mbas in united states um, you know people do an investment and afterwards they want to um, um, uh, i don't know what the word advertise um, and, and in your case definitely you 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 followed your passion you decided uh, because mba normally you know it's meant it's meant to drive it to you know to become a uh, a very well paid um uh, professional and uh, definitely um mba students especially from esade and in other business schools that we know here in barcelona outstanding business schools uh, are very are um, search you know are, are are needed for for companies and uh, on the other side you've decided although you did an mba you've decided you know just to move you kind of had the idea but to move into the to take the entrepreneurial path and um so i think i think justina for me when i made the decision of uh, of coming to barcelona altogether yeah and changing from a regular paid job which was fun it was interesting i could have possibly gone in the same same route i just wasn't happy i knew the only thing that would make me happy is perhaps uh food mm-hmm. and the idea of creating something in it Yeah. and that's i am when i did this my return on investment was i am in it for a long haul mm. you know so yes amount of money that's going in and of course it happens with everybody you know people people take loans and people take what not to be able to you know take the best education and then get the best sort of job so that they can recover all of that and then do something that they like but eventually if you see a lot of people i i somehow feel that you know find something that they really love to do you yeah. know i think i just had i was possibly crazy just be like you know what let's yeah. start sooner <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah, slightly late you know i mean I, now i see people who are starting at 21 and i'm like oof i wasn't that smart then <laughs> Well, I mean, you've learned a lot uh, the way, you know, because I'm asking you this question because I've been uh, myself there and, and I, I definitely, I, ro- I love the rides, the, bu- uh, the rides, the bumpy rides, the, the challenging, the not knowing what difficulties will come up the next day. Um, I definitely, I, I define myself as an entrepreneur and, and I'm just always keeping an eye open for my next one or to skills the one I have. But um, I'm just thinking it's such a... Um, such a how would i say um maybe masochist decision we like to to be uh, not masochist but maybe we like to be challenged daily we like to to we like to fight we like the struggle absolutely and i think that's that's somehow um that's i think that's the thing that's what brought me uh, uh to to basically stand to, to talk to you about you know my story as such it's the struggle yes. is the idea of you know loving that struggle it's fun yes and uh, i really like the fact that you um are talking about happiness you know because sometimes people when they are uh, find themselves uh, at this bifurcation where they have to choose they finished they've graduated and they finished their 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 university and they have to decide on taking a, a job and on taking a super risky uh, path which is entrepreneurship i think most of them would have gone for the easy path which is mm-hmm. go into a job and you know making money and um, i think not many people it takes courage to go into the risky path into the blind path because you don't know how it's going to come out and mm. I find that very courageous um uh, on your side you know to to have taken that that risk with uh, with an MBA um you know under your arm and mm. 
you know, that's what that's, uh, the podcast is about. It's about uh, interviewing people and trying to figure out what is uh, the drive, you know, that, that drives entrepreneurs or like-minded people who, who are there uh, for the struggle and like the struggle. And I think it's a very low percentage of the population who, who dares. You have to be also very daring at the same time. And also have them that inner, you know, that gut, that uh, trusting in your vision and going right. for it. No, I think, I think uh, you're right. And I agree with you on, uh, you know, what, but how I see it is because it, you know, when we talk about the courage bit, hmm. it's, uh, I think it's more of a timeline issue. Hmm. You know, I wasn't as courageous a uh, few years ago. You know, I was, I, I was taking the easy way. I mean, the courage comes in and some, somebody, uh, a friend of mine, she I just attended a talk of hers and she, she gave, uh, her name is Leslie, by the way. And I would like you, uh, you know what, I will sponsor, uh, yeah, well, tag her on show right now. Like, you need to talk to Leslie for oh, her, um, you know, for her story. That'd be very inspiring. Yeah. And she said something. She said that it's this uh, suffering mm. that uh, pushes you to become courageous. Okay. Mm. And that's what happened. Courage is, I think, when you realize there is a certain bit of suffering and you want to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's a issue. <laughs> so when, whenever. So yeah. I don't think anything is easy or difficult. I think everybody has their own timeline. Mm. Yes. And um, yes, I agree with you um, on, that, uh, on that specific. But it's society puts uh, so much pressure Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. To become successful, you know, it's uh, in the balance. It's a balance that you need to find. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think uh, somehow you, you've, you've, you've. I don't know. I think you found that balance because I like that you talk about happiness, and we are. This conversation is not about money. It's not about making as much money as possible maybe maybe it will get there at some point in and if your your business bringing value enough but it's not that it's not what drives entrepreneurs in general it drives a passion and i think that what makes successful entrepreneurs is the passion behind it it's a, uh, it's a drive that fuels uh, the fire you know that's uh, the flame uh, able to I, I keep it simple. If my food makes you happy, then it'll make me happy. Oh, that's 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 so fantastic, Rishab. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic because I think there is a lot of of humbleness behind your words. And um, yeah, I'm very very pleased to be talking to you because this conversation also are meant to to kind of go into the depth of the person. Um, Although we haven't met in person, uh, we haven't had that chance. I mean, yeah. I did suggest it. So whenever uh, I think, but sorry, uh, I think uh, whenever you have the time, you either come to the kitchen, I'll show you the kitchen as well. Nice. Uh, so that would nice. be, be pretty awesome. Uh, excellent. So, so basically, um, I'm I'm very very pleased to be, to be able to to find people that that are so humble and uh, and see uh, go for the good in things go for for making an impact but in a good way no grow just for the sake of growing just uh, make an impact no that's that it seems like that's your growth bring a, a community together uh, make people happy um, I really like your expression where you say. Let me see if I can find it. Do um, you refer to it as, I don't know if I've seen it, but like tummy, tummy delicious, or I can remember, I don't see it anywhere. I was reading um, somewhere uh, uh -huh. to make, to make tummies happy. And I really like that description too about, about your, and your, about your business. And you're just saying it right now, you know, if you, if your food uh, gets to make people happy, you're happy. And that's, that's fantastic. I think there is definitely a lot of value uh, in that. And, and, and uh, you. You, you can see the passion behind it. And um, 
Uh, what's next? What's next for Delicioso? What are the struggles at the moment? Oh, the struggles. So, um, I think the last year was a bit of a struggle uh, in totality. I did go through, uh, you know, every company kind of goes through a downer. So, we went through a downer. We lost our, um, you know, couple of team members. And eventually, to kind of come back out of uh, a little hole uh, that, you know, the company, we lost technology. So, now we are on our way to getting our own application form. Hmm. Um, and, and now we were earlier looking for a kitchen space, but unfortunately, you know, one of the partners couldn't make it. Uh, not their fault, but they, you know, some other uh, technical issue. So we didn't do the kitchen bit. So now we have a fixed space in the co-working space that we are working. So what's in the pipeline? In the next couple of weeks, you will have a delicious application through which you'll be able to order your meals at your own co-working space or your office or if you don't have it yet you can always get in touch and then within the next four months we will have another location in barcelona and perhaps by uh, september or october we will have two locations in barcelona working to cater for barcelona needs uh, in terms of your daily lunch services any sort of caterings uh, that anybody requires if you have a birthday for example and you want something something different you know instead of uh, getting something standard um or you know something that you order from a restaurant and then you have to open it up in plates and share or going for a very expensive sort of catering something that you can actually afford and possibly spend the same amount of money in a restaurant but get mm. it so stuff like this um through an application and people who want to become chefs will be able to do the same from the same application. Hmm. Nice. Wow. It's a, so it's a lot of hard work. Uh, a lot of hard work. Absolutely. We need to still make a lot of tummies happy. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, tummies happy. Uh, I really like that expression. And um, yes, being technology empowered. Now that's uh, you are in the in the tech food. Um, so uh, basically, this is this is uh, um, where we. I think it was more more of the curiosity I've had uh, hmm. about um, you, uh, Rishab, and your your startup in this case, uh, Delicioso. And uh, basically, it really surprised me uh, your the fact that you're looking for happiness. You've done this because you're looking you your happiness is this, and you're trying to make other people happy. <laughs> and, That's uh, always been the idea. And um, what about yes, like, happiness? But what about the uh, on the other side, uh, the, the economic aspect of things. How is how is that going? Is it is it in terms of it's the business um, uh, profitable? Do you have like a runway? Are you planning on on raising funds? Is that something you're you're you're, you're planning to do, or um, or, or is that we are planning to raise funds? Yes, um, and we are talking to a few um, angel investors. Um, mm -hmm. But the company as such broke even in September last year. Oh. So it is self-sustaining itself. And at the same time, we are growing, but like I said, slowly but steadily. So now the investment that I required is essentially just to make a larger leap mm. than I would normally do. And push us ahead of, um, you know, say perhaps our competition or to be able to become big enough and shake the economy a little more saying we want we want we are here to make an impact let us what what is your direct competition at least here in barcelona um i know more or less but um the direct competition you are competing against fatawa you're uh, directly competing against uh fatawa because they have a very interesting business model as well Mm -hmm. They give you healthy lunches, varied lunches, and they deliver it to uh, whatever your location in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they're growing pretty big. You know, they are already in Madrid. Um, and I think they have, uh, they're planning to go international very soon. So Nice. I, I didn't know because I thought they want very low margin uh, in this, in this uh, type of business because it's the transport. How, how are you guys uh, doing the transfer at the moment? Is the transport uh, made by um, by yourself, or you just uh, have an external an external uh, company who does uh, the delivery for you? 
I did not ever actually believe in the fact that if something is not your forte, don't start with it. Yeah. So my forte was food. Mm-hmm. I stopped with food. And I made sure that I had people around who knew the other bits, which I did not. Right? And eventually learned from them. So mm-hmm. my logistics is done by a third party. And I will continue to do the same because we are doing a scheduled lunch delivery. We are not doing an A to B on demand delivery. Okay. You know, so yes, and you're absolutely right in terms of economics, what does not make sense and why a lot of companies have shut down in the US uh, doing the similar business model vertically integrated because of the number of people they have on their payroll. Yeah. The the large number of salaries that they have to pay and the small amount of money that they're generating from each delivery is basically just sunk the company. And they re, they they had you know amazing amount of funds and whatnot, but yeah, that didn't work out. So what I'm doing is I am trying to make sure that that particular error doesn't happen. Of course, there are always times when a particular delivery, you know, or a particular uh, at a particular state, the unicorn makes don't make sense. But to make sure that that time is shorter and the the amount of uh, you know people I can cover is a uh, you know a lot larger in this limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. Nice. I think I think I really like. Uh... The basis of uh, of your your thinking uh, based in, in in this aspect of, of logistics, and I, I really like the fact that you you mentioned that you shouldn't go for something that is not your forte. Uh, for example, myself, I was a language uh, tutor ten uh, years ago, and this is how I started my 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 business. And uh, and I really like that fact that you are. Um, humble enough because I think some leaders or some CEOs or or founders fail to uh, to acknowledge that that they cannot do any everything you know so the fact that you uh, were able to see that uh, and and delegate the the bits that you you didn't understand and especially smart enough to surround yourself with the people who know knew the other bits I think it's it's key for success I try So, uh, so yeah, great, great. Um, so, Rishab, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm so pleased to meet you because uh, myself, I'm doing this uh, for learning and meeting people. And uh, if I can share with the community and they can learn something of this, uh, of, of these talks I have with with people like you, uh, that makes me happy. Like you know, uh, uh, what makes you happy with you? sharing the food with other people that and if it makes them happy it makes you happy the same here with the podcast uh, 